Inside OU listeners, thanks again for being loyal subscribers and listeners to the podcast with Brady Trantham and I. Like to get to know Oklahoma's offense and defense better? We have started a Patreon page for our post-game show and my popular film reviews from Twitter. It's $4 for the post-game show and $5 for the film review on Sundays and the post-game show. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash inside underscore OU. It will allow us to do even more cool things now and beyond for you. Thanks again for being loyal subscribers and listeners to Inside OU. See you all next time. Bob Stoops ruined my childhood. It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. If you listen to this OU Compliance, I don't endorse that last message. With Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on trial for war crimes. What's up, Inside OU listeners? How are y'all doing today on this lovely, lovely, lovely uh, Thursday? It's hot. It's kind of hot. It's kind of cool. I don't know. It just feels nice outside. It feels like football weather, but this is the Inside OU Podcast Thursday edition, so we're going to be talking about the matchup that is OU in Texas. Brady Trantham here alongside Mr. Keegan Renault of SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today. Not sooner wired, as Sam May said on his podcast (laughs) the other night when you were uh, on with a former host of this podcast mr rufus alexander uh, what did you say it was a 47 minute first quarter between texas and tcu and 47 earth minutes i don't even yeah i'm not even past it yet on the youtube link that i'm watching the game on it's at 49 minutes now and i'm it's 21 seconds left in the first quarter <laughs> flag 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 not no we're not talking about the ou secondary we're talking about the texas tcu game that was uh it was a hard watch for uh, texas fans not so hard for TCU. Texas, of course, lost that game. And now we we kind of find ourselves going into a little bit of a pillow fight down the Cotton Bowls. Yay, Keegan. <laughs> so official count, 51 minutes, 38 seconds, first quarter, just game time for uh, the Texas TCU game last week. Yeah, it's going to be, I don't know if pillow fight is the best way to put it because it's going to be a physical football game. It always is. The only time in really that I can remember is 2016. It wasn't a pillow fight. That was a very finesse football game. And uh, it's, you know, one of those things that, you know, it, it's going to be a different game this year just from the aspect of both these defenses can't ta- haven't been able to show consistency in tackling. DBs aren't physical. Going to be different from that aspect of it. But from the same aspect, the defensive lines are both good. Oklahoma probably only has one matchup or one position group that they're better than. I mean, this is a pretty even across the board uh, matchup in this game. Oklahoma's linebackers are a little bit better. Um, specifically the starting two, not the two guys behind them. Probably more steady, just not spec- – there's not a lot of spectacular – there's a lot of promise. There's just not a lot of confirmed spectacular in this matchup. No, there's not. And it's pretty uh, funny whenever you look at DeMarvion Overshone, one of the my, one of the line, inside linebackers for Texas, and you're going to hear me say this later on in the podcast, but like he could by himself open up Oklahoma's running game. Like You know some of those clips I showed you of Brian Asamoah a year ago to where yeah. he was just running to the wrong gap or quest, second-guessing himself? Keith Murray in uh, 2017. 2018. Yes. Yeah. Like, like he will be like DeMarvion Overshone could open up Oklahoma's running game himself by blocking himself out of place. <laughs> it was that it's that bad against these. Well, I sure fucking hope so. Cause oh, he's going to need every, uh, they're going to need every break in this game. And it's not really, again, we've already kind of 
establish this. It's not so much because Texas is clearly the better team. It's just because we know what OU is going to be able to do and what they're not going to be able to do. And what they're not going to be able to do are just a handful of just fundamental football things like tackling guys that are in front of you, tackling guys that you have dead to rights in the backfield, catching balls that are thrown directly to your chest. Um, and even just, you know, the hand, maybe like one or two plays a half where a guy just makes a great football play an instinctual play that switches momentum into your favor. We, I don't expect that unless it has to do with the offense. And even with the offense, like we said, there's not a lot of spectacular in this game, but there's a lot of promise. And a lot of that promise for OU side of, is, of course, on the offensive side of the ball, but there are still just a lot of bleh, bleh questions and things that shouldn't be where they are this far into the season. Now, of course, this is the fourth game of the year. Um, OU's typically played five or six games up to this point. They've also had an off season. typically. You know, they're, everybody understands that the, the inherent disadvantages of this year, but um, the offensive line interior, which technically improved, you know, looking over your film review on our Patreon page, which you can, of course, all subscribe to. Um, it made me feel a little bit better about the offensive line, Keegan, but, you know, maybe it's just the sheer fact of I have memories of Curry Humphrey being knocked on his ass, Marquise Hayes being knocked on his ass, and Tyrese Robinson. And Tyrese Robinson. And, you know, those might just have been three plays. But those three plays just stick out in my mind of, like, that shouldn't happen at OU against Iowa State. And Texas is going to have a step up in athletic talent. And I, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm way too pessimistic at this point. And I'll put my pessimistic post up on Patreon later on. But I, 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 don't, I just don't see, like, you, you said that there's one advantage OU has across the board. What is it? It's at linebacker. It's at linebacker. Yeah, Deshaun White and Brian Asamoah. And I, I showed a couple of those clips from the Iowa State game. Um, you know, they did their jobs really well. They just uh, – Deshaun White on one play, very – and Asamoah on another. Uh, he got blocked in the back. But Deshaun White scraped over a tackle or a guard coming after him, was able to scrape over the top of him and go make a tackle for loss like – those are plays that Kenneth Murray didn't even make a year ago. Like Kenneth Murray was shot out of a cannon and running through rushing lanes and making plays. Like Kenneth Murray won play against LSU in the Peach Bowl, the one he delivered the blow to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He was able to scrap over a linebacker and go make a play. Like Deshaun White is already doing that in game three of him being the Mike backer at Oklahoma. I think that's that's an extremely positive sign. And then Brian Asamoa obviously he just got to make tackles. I mean, he's there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, th- the linebackers miss a lot of tackles in the backfield against Iowa State. Now, as I, as you heard me say, I found out the game that's on YouTube skipped a lot. Yeah. Um, cool, well, because just off memory, I don't remember a lot of – like, what I remember, uh, like, members of the secondary missing tackles in the backfield. Also, Moa missed two. D- D- White missed one. Um, And well, also, Moa just overran – yeah. Brees Hall on one of them. Deshaun White had him squared up, and Brees Hall just spun out of it. And I think that's kind of where you kind of get into the uh, the twilight zone of well, you are going to miss tackles in a football game. There are levels of missed tackles. There are missed tackles where the guy just – you're kind of at a poor angle, and you just happen to be the guy closest that is able to touch him. And 
the guy just makes a play on you. And that, that happens. It's football. And then there's like that third and six with Trey Norwood that we've talked about ad nauseum at this point. Like those are pretty unforgivable. But I mean, the linebacking core, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, even though we start, I started on offense, let's just kind of stick with the defense. Um, yeah, they're steady. I just don't see a lot of spectacular in that Deshaun White, Brian Asamoah, Agwebu, if he plays, Brian Mead when he's going to be out there, and we all know he's going to be out there. I just don't see the their ability to make a play in spite of something, if that makes sense. Sure. Now, Ronnie Perkins being able to play, I think that that makes the defensive line, which has probably been the best unit overall, would you agree? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. I would, Rush backer specifically. Yeah, I, I would say that that makes Nick Benito's job much easier. I, I would say that that definitely makes uh, Perrion Winfrey's job much, much easier because the offensive line for Texas won't be able to focus as much as on him if they so chose to. Um, I don't think Ronnie Perkins is going to go out there and have two or three sacks in this game, but I think just his sheer presence alone is going to trickle down, especially on the defensive line, but a, but hopefully on the linebackers. And if that's the case, that's where we could see the sure-handed tackledness of Deshaun White, of Brian Asimo. And if they're able to do that, That'll clean up a lot of the Sam Ellinger trash plays that he's going to probably be able to get if all else fails. Rufus was, you know, saying that Oklahoma is going to struggle against the Texas running game on Saturday. I actually don't see that to be the case. I mean, if you look at Brees Hall, he was getting hit in the backfield a lot. Yeah, uh, a lot. And you know, does Keontae Ingram have a spin move like Brees Hall has? Probably not. Does Roshan Johnson? No. Johnson's a little more physical. As a running back, a little more tougher to go to get down, but you know those guys. And I, I know I'm not. There's no, you know, excuses. Like you've got if it whatever it's great, running. It's a great book, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Brees Hall is really good, but he's not good enough to where you shouldn't be able to get him down in the backfield. And yeah. it, my my joke is, is, you know, does Keontae Ingram have a spin move? If you look at most of the missed tackles Oklahoma had. Brees Hall was just spinning off people or spinning guys diving at ankles and he was able to spin away. So just a lot of poor technique. You know, yeah. some of it was like Brees Hall's ability, which again, like he's a fine running back. I mean, but Iowa State has had fine, probably even better running backs in the last five years than Brees Hall. I mean, who was the kid from Oklahoma? Was he from Lawton? For Iowa State, he oh I know he, he had an awesome about, freshman year. Yeah, he got kicked off the team. And he got kicked off the team. Uh, I mean, David Montgomery was a Freak show. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think Brees Hall is the best of them, but, uh, well, but pl- again, he's still, that doesn't make an excuse for an Oklahoma, a, an Oklahoma defense yeah. to not be able to go make a tackle. And so I don't think that's going to persist. I've said this before. Um, I said it on Tuesday, I don't see it persisting through Texas this week, the tackling issues. I mean, basically Patrick Fields to stop diving at people's ankles. DeLaren Turner yell, stop diving at people's ankles. And I'd love to say that to Trey Norwood, but he's so damn small, but that that, that that's all he can do. He's not going to square up, put a shoulder pad in someone's gut that's four inches taller and 150 pounds heavier than he is. I mean, if Patrick Fields makes three of two of those four tackles for loss and Buki doesn't get juked out by Charlie Kolar a couple times, like that game Saturday is completely different. I know I said that on the Patreon. Uh, I've said it you know, this week on radio. Uh, this is my fourth straight day of podcasting a radio this week. <laughs> Must be a Texas week or something. Yeah, it's but uh, tis the season, man. But yeah, I don't, I don't f- foresee it, you know, being an issue this week. And maybe that's me having too much confidence in human beings being able to adjust after seeing stuff on film. Um, 
But the other thing is, is like, do you want Patrick Fields coming downhill and trying to stick his helmet into Roshan Johnson's chest? Like, that's probably not going to end well. Now, it may help another guy get there in time and for them to be able to make the play. But it's not even just that. It's just lodging and diving at people's feet. Like, that's just not going to work. Like, you know, Delaren Turner yells physical enough to be able to dive it at someone's thighs and be able to make a play. Like, Patrick Fields is physical enough to do that. Yeah, um, DTY's performance against Iowa State was more of just he missed a few opportunities to create a turnover. Like, I don't really recall that many instances where DTY is missing tackle after tackle after tackle like everybody else or committing penalties. And he, he may very well have, and I'm just for completely forgetting it because Buki's, Trey Brown's, Patrick Fields were a little bit more consistent, a little bit more egregious in what they in all, in all their mistakes. But yeah, DTY is probably the, the most sure-handed guy in the, in the back end, and that's, that's not good. Like, I, I know you were high a little bit on DTY, and as a prospect, I, I see where you're coming from mm-hmm. just because when he does make good plays, like he looks like a, he looks like a football player. Plus, he's got some measurables that are going to uh, work out long. in his favor. He's five. He's only five eleven, but he's long. Yeah, he's thick. Uh, he's got. I think he's not I, afraid to get his nose dirty either. Now, every person that you thought could be an NFL guy, and I even hyped up Pat Fields a little bit before the season. It's hard to say that after the Kansas, after the Iowa State game. Like even Delaren Turner Yell got his his you know own. He didn't even live up to what he should have been in that Iowa State game. This is a silly observation, but that early pass interference Buki got in the end zone where he just threw Kolar down and then waved his finger at him as the flag was being thrown, and it looked kind of funny in slow motion. Very indicative of the OU secondary this season, by the way. Um, now the you, first pass interference was a ghost call. Like that should no, not this have was, been. No, this was one where like Buki just kind of threw him down, and his back was turned to the quarterback. Yeah, that was uh. Well, that, yeah, that was in the third quarter, and Buki got <laughs> Buki got a one on one against the receiver. Yeah. And he couldn't even stop that receiver. Well, right before the pass even gets to where Kolar yeah, is, grabbing his back. D- Dty should have picked the ball off. I remember even thinking when. Uh, brought Purdy through the pass it just it smelled and looked like a play that oh this is ending in an interception he kind of got panicky got a little happy feet threw it over the middle and I'm just like someone's there and DTY in slow motion on the replay jumps up and just straight up misses the ball it just goes one micro inch above him and that I don't want to have the low-hanging fruit no pun intended of oh you just has two small guys out there if DTY is an inch taller, he at least gets a PBU on that. I'm not going to say he at least picks the ball off because OU can't catch on, on defense apparently this season. But, uh, I mean, that was very indicative of how that game went. OU missed an opportunity to create a turnover, and then a bad pass was saved by the fact that an OU secondary player committed a personal foul, per, uh, holding pass interference play. So, I. The thing, though, going into Texas, Keegan, and it's my running joke about Sam Ellinger, all he does, he, he either throws sideways, he throws down the seam that has been set up after a few plays, you know, because it's basically hut, RPO, the guy's wide open, the throw isn't that difficult. And then his third and final stage of throwing is third and forever or third and eight, we got to convert, I'm going to throw a jump ball to my six foot two receiver and either hope he makes a play 
or B, the cornerback commits a personal foul penalty because I'm throwing a jump ball, so maybe the refs won't allow contact. And that is a recipe for absolute disaster, just like it was in 2018 when Kyler lost. Like there were a handful of Trey Norwood personal fouls just off of jump balls. And I, I see a lot of the same, at least game plan for Ellinger in Texas going into Saturday. Yeah, they Texas on Saturday, and you've heard me say this, they if they try to win playing Herman Ball, like that's playing right into Oklahoma's strength. Like if they try to get into, you know, one tight tight end set, guy on the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, eleven personnel. But my thing is is like if if Herman would just swallow his pride for one week and go four wide or empty for an entire game. Oh yeah. That that's that's a recipe for a disaster for Oklahoma. However, Tom could I mean, don't put it past Tom Herman to screw this up. I mean, he wants to beat Lincoln Riley. He's at, not a good coach. No, he's not. And he wants to beat Lincoln Riley at his game. He wants to show Lincoln that I've still got this. I can still you know, I, I can out physical you. We're gonna out physical you. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we're gonna play our game. Like, it's so past that point if you're Texas. Like, you've got to do whatever it takes to win football games. And, you know, they uh, – you know, a couple things to note, like you said, the RPO. It would be foolish if Texas didn't just try to RPO at least once a drive because if you saw what Joe Burrow did and um, Joe Burrow did in the Peach Bowl, I mean, that two, those two of the three first drives, I mean, they ran eight or nine RPOs and just cooked – Justin Broyles. As soon as Clyde Edwards-Alaire touched the field, that RPO just froze everybody on that defense. Yeah, it did. And that's what I would do if I was Texas this week. They, you know, are in a situation now that, I mean, it's must win for Tom. And we can get into the recruiting side of this because for the first time in a while now, there are some recruiting factors to this game. And, you know, you look at, you know, back to the point, though, you're looking at Oklahoma defensively. They, again, the strengths here are that Texas's offensive line outside of Sam Cosme is not very good. I mean, they're getting pushed around by TCU's defensive linemen and TCU's defensive line this year outside of Corey Bethley. I don't know if any of them would play at Oklahoma. But you don't see that as an advantage because you only said OU's linebackers. Or are you just simply comparing unit to unit, so O-line versus O-line? Oh, no, O-line versus D-line. Like, I'm saying Oklahoma's front – like, they should be able to get pressure on the quarterback. Oh, yeah, definitely. They should be able to slow down the running game. Are they going to be able to get home, though? And that, that that's an interesting question to me because the Ronnie Perkins factor, like, of course, like, that helps out. Brock Purdy I would describe as a more elusive quarterback than Sam Ellinger just because Sam Ellinger is just bigger and slower. So that plays into OU's hands because they routinely got in the backfield against Iowa State. They just could not two get weeks, home. Two weeks in a row. Yeah, they, yeah. they did it against Kansas State too. Now, the second Ellinger is able to break contain, that's where it gets kind of dicey. Like, I'm already – like, I already see Ellinger having a great game. Like, he's not going to go – what was he, 13-36 against TCU, uh, near pick six, got returned down to the four, um, just a terrible throw. He's going to do that, though. So the thing for OU is just kind of the same recipe as last year. Unfortunately, you don't have Neville Gallimore, Parnell Motley, and Kenneth Murray. You just have to create pressure because Ellinger being slower and bigger, he's less likely to be able to break contain around the edge. So if you're Benito, Ronnie Perkins, Perrion Winfrey, the, uh, Isaiah Thomas, those guys, you have got to get home. They do. Uh, they, 
you know, and that's, again, as I said, this game is all on Tom. Like, you look at what Kansas State did and Iowa State did that were successful. You get rid of the football quick. Like, Oklahoma can't get home. That really good pass rush can't get home. And if you go a bunch of empty, you go a bunch of four wide, you know, you set up your slot receivers and your big tight ends up for a lot of success. If you're, if you're Texas and Tom Herman this week, they – they're in a unique situation that they have to completely change the identity of their football program this for a week, just for a week to be able to win this football game. And if they don't, as I was saying a second ago, their Texas is outside of Sam Cosme based off what I've seen so far. Every guy besides him is getting pushed yeah. by TCU. Um, every like in the running game, you know, they're not even having huge holes to run through. Like a lot of the success the running backs had against TCU was the wheel routes out of the backfield. And we don't really know how good TCU is. I mean, they lost to Iowa State in their first game of the year, but then again, they weren't able to play some tune-up games as well because of COVID issues. Yeah, they weren't able to lose to Louisiana Tech. Yeah. (laughs) Louisiana, I'll have you know. I think TCU was supposed to play... SMU. I think that game got They were supposed to play somebody week one against, I think it was Louisiana Tech. SME and then was they, initially canceled, but then they put it back on. The and next then it got week, and then postponed. it got banged. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, I, I I said this this week on with Ian Boyd, like, I, based off what I've seen so far, like, I, I would pick TCU to get to the Big 12 Championship game. Um, based, oh. off th- based off two games, I'm not going to over go overzealous on this. Basing, trying to decide with the Big 12 tiebreaker rules, who's yep. going to be able to make the Big 12 Championship game right now, is it's fool's gold. I mean, you can't make a prediction i mean they you know iowa state has to go on the road to uh to austin this year like iowa state could lose two games kansas state has a lot of tough games remaining um oklahoma state has all their tough games remaining i mean they but they're they're the only undefeated team in the conference keegan so they're awesome sure yeah who, who they played who they played uh west virginia whose defense is pretty good pretty and good. uh kansas with Trillingworth. Yuck. Yeah, I saw that. That was not a good not not a good look. Everybody knows what happens whenever you put Trill next to a quarterback's name. Yeah, but the, the, let let them have their fun. Their time is coming. But go ahead. But with Texas, yeah, again, their offensive line is, I don't think, still up to this challenge. And I think the same conversation can be said for Oklahoma's offensive line. Like, if you're looking for a reason to bet the under in this game, which is now at seventy two and a half, oh my god. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's now at 72 and a half. If you're looking to bet the under on this game, there's your reasoning that there's not going to be able to, there's no one's going to be able to run the football. And, and even in that extent, like double moves from running wide receivers, all those things probably not going to be able to get hit because there's not going to be enough time. Yeah. So Texas is a lot, a lot of success being able to throw the football down the middle of the field because they've, you know, Sam's had a little bit of time to throw the football. I don't expect that to be the case this week. And again, if Tom Herman offensively and based off the intel that I've heard from Texas that he has control, a lot more control over the offense than what he's led to believe. And if that's the case, like I'm, I have said, I said this on Tuesday, if Tom Herman plays Herman ball in this game, Oklahoma will blow them out. Like, and it won't, and it won't be pretty either. Well, the unfortunate thing is Herman can go into this game thinking the opposite of what you just said. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to beat OU and Lincoln Riley playing my style ball. But he could adjust in the game because I like OU's not blowing out Texas, so he'll have chances to adjust. And what, even will he? It, but if but when he if he does, and OU isn't able to counter, like it, we'll just watch a lot of the same things that we've seen over the last two weeks, where OU slowly loses grip of a game that they 
may not be dominating to the extent that you would the you know the yards per play or anything would suggest you would you'll slowly watch that game go away and that kind of reminds me of the 08 Red River rivalry in that um, second half when Brandon Crow showed himself onto the field Texas went five wide they went true spread it was the first time Matt Brown had really done that and they put Jordan Shipley on Brandon Crow and that's why we all remember Brandon Crow's name unfortunately so Texas will have opportunities to completely throw out hey, this game plan did not work. We're going to adjust because, unfortunately, OU is led by a bunch of kids and their upperclassmen are not very good or have not performed to the extent that we thought that they should be. Um, quick little break here. Wanted to ask you all, hey, go out there and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We're at 69, which is really nice, but I like 70 as well. So go out there and rate the podcast. Five-star review. Um, and if you don't think that it's worthy of a five-star review and you want us to improve upon something, please let us know because that is always helpful. And then also our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash inside underscore OU, Keegan's Film Review, all the other fun content plus the post-game show, which will go up um, midday Saturday, depending on stuff. Thank God it's not a night kickoff for that reason. But yes, going now... Unless you had anything else to add on defense, um, I just you, you know some players to watch out on Texas side. Um, you know ro- the running back tandem of Ingram and Roshan Johnson, obviously. Uh, Sam Cosme at left tackle, unbelievable. I mean, as good as as good as you're going to find in college football this year, left tackle. Yeah, um, he's really really good. And then wide receiver. Uh, I know you'll have you know a little touch on this later, but. Uh, I think the biggest guys to look for is, you know, Wiley, the tight end, big old body, big body type, obviously gave Oklahoma fits a week ago. If they watch film of Iowa State, like, they will just use the tight ends. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Epps, as well as Brendan Eagles. Um, I know a lot of people know Eagles' name. Malcolm Epps could be an X factor in this game if he can – if Texas gives him opportunities this week. Um, you know, they got Michigan transfer and Tariq Black, who is underwhelmed so far, uh, kind of the same guy he was at Michigan. And then uh, Schooler, the grad transfer wide receiver from Arizona, who's been hit and miss. Um, I think teams have accounted for him after the UTEP game, finally. Uh, you know, I, I know it's not very long, but yeah, they uh, – now, I mean, Texas has talent. I just don't – in the same conversation a year ago, and you heard me say this, and, you know, I joked with Ian Boyd about it a lot, and I'm going to – you know, I, I, I think Ian is really good. He just has blinders on when it comes to Texas. Did he make a prediction for this this Saturday? He thinks Herman's going to screw it up. He thinks Texas will that that is a de- that is a defeated person right there. Oh, he's on board of Texas needs to move on. Is he worse than me with Bob? Close. Like he is. The thing is, is Bob had success. Yeah, and it just made it that much harder. But yeah, yeah, he is on board of like Texas needs to move on from. Tom I Herman. thought that two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they have a. Uh, they got some serious internal issues down there as well, and I don't think that's to be ignored. And I know a lot of people have been talking about Oklahoma and the young guys this week with the tweets that went out Saturday night after the game. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a situation right now offensively for Texas. Again, I'm going to reiterate this. If they go four wide or empty a lot in this game, like Oklahoma will get blown out. I just don't think – I think Herman's too stubborn to do that. I, I, I truly feel that way. And if that's the case, I'm not saying nine sacks – but Oklahoma's going to get to Ellinger, and Texas isn't going to be able to. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. 
Texas, if they run the football in this game, if they're able to go like six, seven yards of carry in this game, I would be shocked of utter proportion. Yeah. Like they're that offensive line gets zero push. TCU was getting everything against them that they wanted. Well, how does OU's defense counter if they do go four wide? No. Is it just simple, please, please, God, turn your head? Please don't – maybe the, the officials don't call so many. Maybe OU gets the benefit of the doubt of some calls. Like, is it, is it as simple as that, which kind of just goes into, yeah, it's damn near impossible. It's going to be tough. I mean, Grinch has – and if there's been one indictment of Grinch since he's been at Oklahoma, it's not being able to defend the – spread completely i mean look what iowa state did against them in norman a year ago yeah um so the biggest thing here again is that if that does happen oklahoma likes to play a lot of cover three a lot of uh, match cover three which is a little bit different to where the corners will ride with the outside wide receivers um and then they'll play center field safety or oklahoma will just go man up across the board with and play cover one behind them i mean with zone with the linebackers so if that's the counter that Grinch has typically shown out there. Um, they, they don't run a ton of quarters coverage like Mike Stoops had and got obliterated with week in and week out in the Big 12. But they uh, they definitely, you know, if if they do adjust, I mean, it's going to be on Deshaun Wine, Brad, Brian Asamoah to be good in coverage in the middle. And Asamoah through two games so far as a starter has not been good there. White has. Asamoah wasn't. But Kenneth Murray also was not very good until his last year in coverage either. So, Well... That's not very exciting, but I guess we got the bad stuff out first because, I mean, we know we can expect the offense to have a lot of success despite the men, the questions going into even into this game, Keegan. I mean, heard on the Solid Verbal, which I don't know if you listened to that podcast. It's one of my favorite college football podcasts, but they were talking about OU Texas previewing it, and it kind of came down to they compared the quarterbacks. And they love Spencer Rattler, just like everybody on earth loves Spencer Rattler and understands that he's not the reason why OU's lost these two games. Like, if anything, he's kept OU in a ge- in a game that probably should have been an ugly an uglier defeat. But it kind of came down to which quarterback can you trust more, and they chose Sam Ellinger. And it's like, you know, well, of course, like he is a fifth year senior or something like that. He's old. Spencer Rattler is a kid. This is his first OU Texas game, and we've already talked about the whole. Does it not having you know full capacity fans help out Spencer Rattler? And I think that there is some, an element to truth to that, but that is not going to be the reason why OU wins or loses this game. Like, the pressure is still going to be on Spencer Rattler, but um, look, Sam Ellinger is going to have success. He's going to look a lot better than what he actually is. It's going to be, unfortunately, somewhere probably in between last year and the 2018 OU Texas game for El- for Ellinger. He's not going to look incredible like he did in 2018. He's not going to look as bad as he did last year. And that's probably good enough to beat this OU squad. But with o- with the offense, Spencer Rattler, the offensive line, the running backs, the receivers, I mean, Keegan, we've talked about the offensive line, subtle improvements that they've made. Um, Lincoln was talking to you guys and kind of highlighting more so of like the inability of the running backs to either pick up for the offensive line or capitalize off of what the offensive line is doing. It, the play results in a bad play like a loss in the backfield and so your brain goes oh the offensive line didn't block but then you watch the tape and it's like oh no they're just relying on a freshman Seth McGowan who would be a red shirt any other normal year to make a play and he just can't read the holes just yet or he's just not physical enough 
because some, he's skinny. There's some truth to what Lincoln said, but I mean, and and I agree. There's mass. I mean, that's masking a, a, an issue that Oklahoma got the running game going late against Iowa State, which that is a positive sign, and I've no, I noted that. But there's still times where they're just not getting a push, and they're not getting a push, and they're not getting a push, and. You know, you're going up against Keandre Coburn this week, who's been more, you know, a pleasant surprise for me down there, down in Austin. So, they, you know, the the running game obviously is a huge factor in this game. And as I said, though, like Texas the linebackers have been bad enough that they could open the running game up for Oklahoma, like just completely running out of lanes and letting guys being able to run. Um, so yeah, offensively, obviously, all the pressure is still on Spencer Rattler. But if there is any you know, if you can have any vote of confidence for a first-year quarterback in this game, especially a redshirt freshman, one, the atmosphere is not going to be what it is. Two, I'm going to point to that third. If Spencer Rattler becomes the dude we think he is, I'm going to point to that third and 14 in Ames a oh, yeah. lot. That's big-time um, play. It just – a lot of people, and even me to a certain extent, you know, his mental toughness, his toughness overall as a football player, and the fact that he was willing to not sacrifice his body to – or that he was willing to sacrifice his body to get four or five extra yards and get Oklahoma in a much better situation on fourth down. That spoke volumes. I mean, I think that spoke volumes, probably not just to us, to the media, to people watching, but I think it spoke volumes to the people in that locker room. And it gave them a lot of confidence that, you know, he's willing to do whatever it takes besides block a guy for Seth McGowan. Um, He's willing to do whatever it takes to win a football game. And, and OU Texas, I mean, Baker's outside of 2016 struggled in that game. And I know he got hurt in 2017 with his shoulder to deal. That game was helped by a lot of missed holds. Uh, it was like a not not two or three. I but, mean, a lot. But Oklahoma Oklahoma jumped out to a what a 20-0 lead in that game. Yes, and then they blew it. Which that's another uh, <coughs> note. For they Lincoln were Riley, Texas' first scoring drive that game. There were two blatant holds oh, isolated sure. on a tackle where the official's right there, and they just simply don't throw the flag. And I think it was on Oboe, because bless Oboe's heart, that dude was all over the field, and he had little to show for it because he was getting held all day. That's the only reason why Texas is able to come back in that game. But, you know, the thing about Spencer, what you were talking about earlier, like our questions about his mental toughness, like, don't mistake this. We're, we're not basing that off of what we thought of him in that QB1 documentary. We're not basing that off of any reputation he may have as a human. Like, we only have those questions because we haven't seen him in that situation. We, I had the same questions about Kyler Murray following his Texas loss. Because you don't know if a guy is mentally tough until you see them in the shit. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you would just prefer you go undefeated. You never have to find out about it. But we had those questions about Kyler. We had those questions about Baker. They they were fair. We, we weren't thinking this because he seemed like a douchebag on QB1. We just didn't know. We don't know what Spencer Rattler is because this is only the third, fourth game of his career that we've been able to see him play at this level. So, uh, yes, he taught me. He showed me. Excuse me. He showed me a ton against Iowa State. I don't give a rat's ass about that last interception. No, he was not in a. He was put in a situation by his primarily his secondary. His winning plays came before that. Like yeah. the touchdown to Theo Weiss that should have been um, was the fourth down conversion after following that third and fourteen. Was that the one where Obi dropped that NFL throw? Was that no? Where that he play completed resulted? a pass to Drake Stoops, and then on that same drive is when Obi Obiallo dropped that pass. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I meant. Golly, did you see the video Joel Klopp posted about Rattler last night? 
I heard that he uh, slammed him a little bit. It just, I didn't he see did the video. He did a horrible job presenting it. Like, there were plays that he was showing that, like, he didn't need to, like, that's not the right play to show for the, some of the examples. Like, he, Tyrese Robinson's about to get beat by his guy, so he holds him, and Spencer eludes the, gets out of the pocket. Well, you know, a guy's coming open across the middle of the field. Like, what, what do you want him to do? You, you want him to take a sack, or do you want Tyrese Robinson to get beat? Um, I'm not going to go. Joel Klatt's awesome. I'm not going to go after Joel Klatt too much, but th- I think he did a horrible job presenting that to I fans. I think Joel's probably maybe a little upset at OU for him, just like after Missouri State. He, he was just going everywhere saying, Spencer Rattler is Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you really watch the game, like that take isn't that bad because, I mean, man, the talent of Spencer Rattler, the arm and the delivery and the accuracy, he just hasn't really been helped by his offensive line, his running backs, or his receiving core a handful of times, unfortunately for OU, in crucial moments. Because if one or two of those plays go OU's way, they're 3-0. and So Patrick Mahomes came a first-year starter as a sophomore at Texas Tech in 2015. What if I told you Oklahoma picked them off four times? Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. I don't remember that game at all. Yeah, that was uh, Dakota Austin had one of those picks, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. That was that game. We love Dakota Austin on this podcast. Yeah, I have no qualms about th- he. I've never got met his, him. He got his chance. He tried to tackle an Oklahoma defender, <laughs> and that was history. But <laughs> Against um, Tom Herman as we come full circle. Two, three, five, nine, ten, twelve, fourteen. Patrick Mahomes had 15 interceptions his sophomore year. Yeah, but obviously, like, a Kansas City fan, a Texas Tech fan, Joel Klatt, whoever would argue, well, Texas Tech is playing, Patrick Mahomes is playing with Texas Tech level talent sure him yeah i mean because not, he also had e- not every turnover not every interception is on the quarterback yeah i mean he still had kiki qt who's a big time guy now in the he NFL. Had jakeem grant jakeem grant oh man miami dolphins fan here love me some jakeem grant yeah i mean he had he had talent he i did. wish ou had a five foot seven just four two guy brendan thompson kid in the 2022 class oh really oh wait so you need to see that i've got her i've already got a Video montage. I can't wait together. for him. I can't wait to watch him take fair catches on punt returns. Or what about Billy Bowman? Oh. Should, should we move into a little bit of recruiting before I want you? I, you want to finish up the offense real quick? Let's finish I up think, the offense. I've got four players that scare me for Texas. We're going to get into your three players to watch for, and then we'll jump into a, like some recruiting tidbits. We don't normally talk about recruiting during football season. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm not going to lie. You know this. I'm, I'm kind of out of the loop a little bit on recruiting. I'll hear things every now and again, but yes, um, it's not as, it's not as potent as what I used to have. But for the recruiting nerds out there, and I know you're, you exist. I probably should be one. I'm not, unfortunately, but for the recruiting nerds out there, stay tuned. We'll get to it. Yeah, offensively, again, you want to see Oklahoma be able to run the football. Like, tech, TCU is able to run it at times. Is that there if Texas runs four wide, like Texas will win? If Is that your version of, like, well, if OU runs the football well, they'll win? I mean, that's easy. Like, whoever runs the football well I'll, wins this I game. Got a, I got a question for you. Do you think Chris Ash has anything to stop Lincoln Riley? The answer is no. No, I mean the secondary. Their secondary is just as bad as OU's. Ex- yeah, and They're, so but f- the athleticism kind of freaks me out because we've seen that athleticism rise to the occasion. But I don't know why OU's favored in this game. But we've seen that Texas athleticism rise to the occasion, whereas we have not seen it out of OU maybe once or twice in terms of like 
we don't expect much from this unit, but they rise to the occasion. We didn't expect much from the D-line going into the Texas game last year. At least I didn't. And they just, uh-uh, we're the best guys on the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that they would have that success because Tech's offensive line was so bad. But, again, I mean, if Marquis Hayes, Creed Humphrey, and Tyrese Robinson, asterisk if Chris Murray is eligible on Saturday, if you want to talk about right guard. And then you have Adrian Ely at right tackle. Um, and Eric Swenson at left tackle. Anton Harrison at left <laughs> tackle. Uh, if you have that pairing, if you have that group, that interior has to be a lot better. I mean, Keandre Coburn's going to push them around. Uh, if not, and they, you know, a year ago, and Texas has done a good job being able to stop Oklahoma's running game. I mean, really, since even Todd Orlando was there, um, they were able to stop it pretty good a year ago. They were able to stop it well in the 2018 Big 12 Championship game. Uh, 2018 OU Texas and even 2017 OU Texas. So, yeah, I mean, if Oklahoma runs the football, no, I don't think it's that. I, I just I I believe that Lincoln Riley again, Jalen Hurts doesn't turn turn the ball over in the red zone twice, doesn't fumble it against Texas. I mean, Oklahoma probably puts up 40 plus in that game easily, maybe 50, and they blow Texas out. So 2018, you saw what Lincoln was able to do now, 2018 the problems were a lot more on Kyler Murray than Lincoln Riley and then 2017 I think Baker just got hurt um so no I think you know you look at the coordinator matchup on offense and defense it's just so overwhelming I just don't if Chris Ash comes out and just gives Oklahoma problems then that's a lot more on Oklahoma but I don't expect that to happen I mean heck you even look a week ago I mean, Oklahoma through two conference games has almost put up a thousand yards. I mean, getting getting guards is not the problem; it's putting it in the end zone. It's just the consistency and the ability to get big chunk plays over and over. Like yeah, that just hasn't sure. been there. Like these these drives have been very slow and methodical, and kind of you know you're hanging on by a thread because it's you know it's a second and eight instead of a second and two, or it's a third and eleven instead of a third and five. You yeah. Know? Unlike, I'll say this, another thing, too, about this game, if you want to talk mentality and confidence, like, like Kyler Murray has confidence, but he doesn't have arrogant confidence. He doesn't have, you know, I'm going to step on the field, and I'm going to sit there and tell you how good I am and then go show you. He's you just going to vo- go show you. mean vocally arrogant? Sure, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, like Kyler in his head, probably heading in that game, was like, I'm going to go put up 40 on that on Texas, and, and they did. Um, Baker also has that kind of confidence, but, like, you know, from the QB1, the Netflix series, to what we've seen from Spencer Rattler so far, like, he is, and I hope people don't take this the wrong way. This is just a phrase. Like, he is dumb enough to think that he's the best player on the field in this game. I know what you mean. Yeah. You like, have to be dumb enough. Like, as an athlete, you have to be dumb enough to think that you're the best guy on the field, on the floor, every single game. Yeah, and, like, Spencer Rattler is that. Like, Jalen Hurts is not that. Like, I'm not at all concerned. Maybe I'm weird. And it has nothing to do with the fact that there won't be as many fans in the stands. I'm not at all concerned about his confidence going into this game, especially coming off of a game-clinching, technically, interception against Iowa State. This is a dumb observation. I loved his body language after that interception. He did not look like... He wasn't looking for anyone to blame. He wasn't, like, pointing fingers. Except the official. He wasn't... Well, yeah, because he was held. What What I'm saying is it could have been a lot worse. He could have thrown that interception... And then taking his helmet off and bitched and moaned to Charleston Rambo or to an offensive lineman, you know, pulled a Chase Daniel. Yeah. I'm glad that Spencer Rattler isn't a little B like Chase Daniel. Yeah, he's been very different. I figured he'd be very vocal 
he was the right amount of pissed at himself, pissed at the situation, but still level-headed to the point where I'm like, okay, he, he doesn't get too hot, too cold. Baker Mayfield would sometimes get too hot, too cold. For sure. It, yeah. it bites him in the ass in the NFL. Didn't bite, it bite him in the ass that much in college. I mean, if you go to the 2018 OU Texas game, you want to talk about hot and cold? Kyler Murray was hot and cold. Like, that guy struggled more in that football game than he may ever mentally in the rest of his career. Like, 20, you know, you go to the Alabama game, he got hit in the mouth a couple well, that times. Game was, that game was so big for him. I mean, he's a native Texan. He was recruited by both Oklahoma and Texas. He kind of infamously, famously <laughs> spurned Texas on the last day of recruiting with the Hilarious. tweet. Never was going to go to Texas. Probably grew up hating Texas. It was big for him. And so all those factors that go into the Cotton Bowl can pl- go into play when you're talking about a guy like him or Baker Mayfield. Like that game means more to that type of player. Spencer Rattler being an Arizonan, not playing in front of 90,000 screaming fans, 50 of which are screaming at you. Yeah, he's going to go out there and just be like, I have played well enough to win these last two games and I'm going to continue doing my shit. I just hope my defense does something worth a f- yeah, and the offensive line as well. I mean, they got to be able to run the football just a little bit, and they and they were. Um, you know, a Do, lot of does OU need to use TJ Pledger more? See, I don't understand. Like Seth McGowan had one bad run, like one bad decision. Like he's fumbled and had one bad decision through two games. Now, granted, that's two decisions too many as a running back. Like you've got to be consistent. But like one of them that he people were talking about him dancing too much. Like Tyrese Robinson pulled around didn't move anybody. Yeah. Um, and that's a major problem. No, but offensively, again, I, if I'm Oklahoma, I'm attacking the middle of the field, left and right. I mean, Texas is going to play one high safety. They've done it for under Herman for three years now. Um, you know, they're going to force Oklahoma to play in front of them as much as they possibly can. Obviously, there was one coverage bust in 2018 when Kyler found Marquise Brown deep. But for the most part, they're going to keep Oklahoma in front of them. And Austin Stogner is probably the X factor in this game. He's starting to look like a you know number one tight end in his draft. Like he's going to be, I think he's been that good so far through two games, and a lot of NFL people that there are two NFL people I've already talked to have, are like he's not going to be at Oklahoma for longer than three years. He's got to block a little bit better, but yeah, and he, that'll come with time. Yeah, for sure. So you know he's the X factor for Oklahoma. I think in this game, if you know Texas doesn't take care of him. Now, the other thing, too, if Texas spends too much time worrying about him, Marvin Mims is going to be open a lot. Drake Stoops is going to be open a lot. Well, that's a point I wanted to bring up to you, Like, but real quick about Stogner. I can only think of two pass catchers in the last 20 years that were great blockers from day one. That was CeeDee Lamb and Kenny Stills. And Kenny Stills more so because he was just a fearless, I'm going to use my body like a missile, like all the highlight blocks that everybody remembers, but... Um, I brought this up to Jerry Ramsey and Kelly Gregg on the radio. That that thing that Lincoln Riley gets criticized for, it's usually he forgets to run the football because he's an air raid bro and he's from Texas Tech and they don't run the football down there back in the leech days. I think it has more to do with he he simply goes away from wanting to do the thing that works over and over again. And I, I see Austin Stogner in the offense kind of very much in play with that. Austin Stogner should have had five or six more opportunities against Iowa State because who are they going to throw at him? Who? But it just seems like, you know, watching Lincoln Riley as a play caller since 2015, okay, that works, but I want to be balanced and I want to get the ball out to my playmakers across the board. I don't want to play favorites. I don't want to go to the well too often. 
But there are certain times where it's like, if they can't stop the run, keep running halfback dives. If they can't stop Austin Sogner because he's too damn big, then keep throwing him the football. Are you seeing the same thing? Because we didn't see Theo Weiss until the very end when he had that drop. We saw too much Charleston Rambo. We didn't see enough, heaven forbid, we didn't see enough Drake Stoops against Iowa State. They were dropping eight, of course, so that kind of explains some. But to me, if Austin Sogner is eating early, he should eat more frequently and often. Yeah, you know, I think it was a lot more about what Iowa State did defensively as well as Oklahoma having to keep six, seven guys in pass protection. And that's including another H back and a and a in the running back. You know, you saw TJ Pledger be able to have some good, you know, open opportunities whenever he was able to wheel out of the backfield. But you know, another thing Kansas State and Iowa State have done as well is you know, they've been sending four or five in rushing a lot. And in doing that, like that's making Oklahoma account for more guys getting after the quarterback as well as Spencer Rattler, the clock in his head speeds up just a little bit. Not just a Rattler thing, that's a quarterback thing in general. So that being said, yeah, I, I mean, let's see Weiss open a couple times, but as I pointed out in one of the videos on the Patreon, like he also could have been open more, but it was kind of on him. Like he was cutting off routes a little early and when he had, he had chances to be open. And if he's open, like Spencer Rattler's going to find him. I mean, yeah, that's if there's anything we've learned through two games, like if you're open, Rattler's going to find you. Um, so, I, I don't know. It's it's definitely a good storyline heading this game. I don't get why the pairing, you know, the quadruple pairing of Weiss, Mims, Rambo, and Stoops don't get more run together. Um, you could include Stogner in that conversation. Now he's on the field a lot. But, I mean, I expect Oklahoma to run a bunch of two H-backs in this game. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you? That's, they When they started running the football, it was whenever the two H-backs were on the field together. And, and, you know, as tight ends, another thing that was kind of funky, too, and I didn't point this out and I probably should have, Lincoln was running some formations with, like, Jeremiah Hall lined up as a running back. Yeah. But he was just blocking. Mm-hmm. And Austin Stogner lining up as a fullback, and he was just blocking. So they were trying to do some unique looks at Iowa State. And, they, you know, they ha- I think for, whenever you talk about Iowa State's defense, like, I thought Oklahoma had a lot of success against them. And for the most part. I mean, not what you're accustomed to with Oklahoma, but – just in general. So they, uh, you know, I, I think that does the running game open up the passing game? It absolutely does. It's got to be there a little bit on Saturday down there at the Cotton Bowl. And I'm excited to see kind of what that's going to look like. Um, because again, they had a lot of success in the guard tackle counters uh, against Iowa State late in the game. And they had a lot of success in the uh, yeah, zone ga- the zone scheme as well. And they just, those runs didn't pop because Iowa State safeties were so good and coming up in the run game. So Texas's guys aren't as disciplined as that. They're not as assignment sound. Iowa State's the toughest test amongst that group of kind of defenses in the Big 12 that their safeties come up and help in the running game a lot. I mean, a lot. And Kansas State did it as well. So I don't expect that to be the case for Texas. And again, like, DeMar, I'm not kidding you. You're going to see it happen. Like, DeMarvion Overshone is going to allow a run to pop for Oklahoma because he just runs either to the wrong gap or he comes up to the line of scrimmage to kind of to try to come make a tackle and he's running into a blocker. Like, yeah. he is – that's going to happen. Now, the other linebackers for Texas have been pretty good. Um, the guy that got targeting, he's not going to be out for the first half against Oklahoma. He's one of their starting linebackers. But they uh, – yeah, they just – 
Texas hasn't been very good defensively. You know, guys have been open. I mean, look what Max Duggan was able to do. And, you know, if Max Duggan's able to throw the football on you, I'm pretty sure Spencer Rowler can. I'm going to do the bad thing on podcast real quick, Keegan, because um, I was thinking about it during Iowa State. I'm not a gigantic X and O's guy to the point where I could explain it to you without a visual aid, but I don't know if Austin Sogner is fast enough to do this because I'm using Jermaine Gresham as an example. Jermaine Gresham was a freak athlete. But I think, you know, what Lincoln was saying a few weeks ago about how the bubble screens are an extension of our running game, how you can get Austin Sogner some more opportunities is if you go back to 2007 Sam's freshman year. Uh, Here, I'll just show you the play. They uh, they did this as well in, in 2018 a lot. Yeah. They you just throw a screen straight to your tight end and your receivers. Thanks for showing me a play from North Texas, by the way. Uh, well, wait, 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 wait. What's the uh, what's the thing there? I'm just because North Texas is very good at football. Well, I'm just I'm joking around with you. Yeah, of course. That was a part of their offense from that year, 07 and 08, where yeah, they just no, run a straight Gresham, screen to Gresham. Yeah, Gresham ran a bunch of bubbles. Stogner's not as fast. But no. He's as physical. Lord, is he tough to bring down. If you get him isolated in the slot somewhere against someone that you feel like that's a matchup advantage for us, and you have not Drake Stoops basically around him mm-hmm. lined up, you can, you can knock a guy off his feet and then have Stogner basically head of steam eight yards down the field before he gets touched. It's like he's going to fall forward four or five yards. That's something I would like to see. I mean, I don't know if that Lincoln Riley even time of day wants to incorporate something like that. But I was just thinking about that. Instead of just running those deep slants to Stogner all all game long, it's like, well, give him another ability, another way to showcase his talent. Absolutely. Another thing, too, is Stogner's got to be – got to use him more in the red zone. I mean, he's a matchup nightmare. And I don't know if he high points the football well. But as I pointed out, and everybody saw it, that third down where they went cover zero, Iowa State did for one of the few times they do it and sent the house at Rattler, and he just threw it up for Stogner. Man, oh, man. You want to talk about veteran play from two young pups? Woo! Like, that's the kind of stuff you want to see. I mean, that's next level. Like, Rattler understanding it's cover zero coming at him um, and then being able to get rid of the football and just throwing it up and – not praying that Stogner comes down with it, but putting it in a position for him to be able to catch the football against a smaller DB. That was really, really good. You know, there was a couple times, you know, Joel Klatt pointed out one of them to where Spencer didn't understand the pass protection in front in front of him. What an idiot. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> it was one, it was, I think it was one time. And then, and to flip around that though, and I probably should have shown this, in the third quarter, Iowa State ran a corner blitz. Oklahoma had to play action. And Rattler helped, ended up, you know, having to avoid traffic and, you know, didn't get a sack. He got back to the line of scrimmage. On the last drive of the game, they did the same thing. And instead of holding out the play action so long, he just pulled it and got rid of the football and picked up five to six yards um, to the to the boundary to the Oklahoma sideline. And the, I believe it was on the last drive. So, yeah, no, there was a lot of growth from Spencer in that game. Um, and then as well as, like you said, like is they need to highlight their best players more. Like Theo Weiss needs to get more opportunities. He got a lot against Kansas State. Don't let people fool you. Like, he got the football a lot. Now, it was on a bunch of quick hitches and this and that to be able to move the chains, but... I think people forget it because it was during the point of the game where OU was dominating. Yeah, it was for sure. Late is, um, but it wasn't just not getting stock on the ball. It's just the offense just sucked. For sure. Um, I guess let's just get into... Let's just get into... Real quick, I'll give you my four guys, and we, we've already talked about it before we went on. 
that are freaking me out as we speak about Texas. And the first one that I said, you were just like, he hasn't played. But this is OU Texas. This is when new pieces, new toys get brought out. But John Robinson, especially in kickoff returns. We didn't talk about special teams. There's really no need. OU doesn't have very good special teams. It's lost them two games now. It's played a big factor into two losses with a punt block and a gigantic kickoff return. Now, the kickoff return. I know someone got held. But if your foundation is leaning on one guy to perform a tackle. But that's kickoff return, though. I mean, that's that's what happens. I mean, if yeah. one guy if one guy misses the lane, one guy falls, a, a kickoff return busts. Well, because when we were watching the game live, before we ever realized somebody got held, remember what I said live? Yeah. Brian Mead was the closest guy in the hole. And it's like, why the f*** is Brian Mead yeah, out there? and even Brian Mead got got held on that play too but yeah i mean jeremiah crudell was right i mean he if he doesn't get dragged down by the front of his jersey like he makes that play and that kickoff return doesn't bust open yeah and shout out jeremiah crudell for liking that tweet now Bajon robinson like keegan told me before and like i i watched tcu i watched texas tech this is the guy that did the landed on his face mask and <laughs> his feet bent for technically forward but over his back and then his feet touched the ground flat. Yeah. And he's somehow still among us. Yep. I mean, praise God. Because I, when I saw that live, I was like, he's dead. That is the first time I've seen someone die on a football field. But he's a guy. He's a five-star recruit. Incredibly exciting. You hyped him up coming out of high school. And I've bought into it because that oh, kick he's o- big time. That kickoff return that got called back at the beginning of the TCU game. Because if you all remember, it took them three kickoffs to get the goddamn game started. Um that's the point where he showcased his excitement. And I could just see maybe not on offense, but maybe they're able to kind of package him in in some way where he's lined up as a wide receiver because he's that talented. Maybe that's Herman's wrinkle. But if not, if Burkich doesn't get the ball out of the end zone, Robinson's going to do something with it. And sure. I, and that freaks me out. Yeah, I, I think there's some credence to that for sure. You know, you're talking about a guy that has all the athletic tools in the world to be – I mean, he's not as big as Alvin Kamara – He's not going to be Alvin Kamara, but I mean, he's kind of in that same mold. Yeah, he just do all like twenty like modern day running back. Yeah, and he's going to be a, he's going to be a problem. Um, uh, I mean, if Herman doesn't waste him, which there's always a chance of that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if people haven't figured out, I was at my first Big Twelve media days in 2018 when Tom Herman gave the 15-minute filibuster and started talking about how good their players had gained in the weight room. When he was Mensa? Yeah. And, Mensa. And Kirk Bowles asked him how many All-Americans he has on his team. Some. Some. Yeah, that rubbed me the wrong way. And then he rubbed me the wrong way again in 20... In 20 so that was 2017. Tom Herman rubbed me the wrong way when he torpedoed Houston's season by just putting everything into beating OU so he can get the job that he currently has. He turned his back on an, an entire group of kids. Like, Greg I'm Ward. sorry. He got Greg Ward almost killed in two years down there. He conned Ed Oliver into going to Houston and then left. I mean, it doesn't really affect Ed Oliver's career, but yeah. I'd imagine. Well, he hired Ed Oliver's brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's smart. I thought that only happened in basketball. <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely not. No. Um, yeah. Tom Herman's a... He, he's not the guy at Texas. That doesn't mean that he, they won't beat OU on Saturday. Oh, for sure. I, well, I, I think they may. Will, I think they will beat Oklahoma. Like, I, I, I am predicting an Oklahoma loss. Uh, yeah, I, we'll be on the same page when we get to that. Um, Moving on, I guess, like Roshan Johnson, their running back, he's the guy who had the big run against TCU. He's just 
insert Texas running back here that isn't that much to write home about, but they have a big 60-yard run against OU. I mean, it even happened last year. Was Roshan Johnson the guy who had the big run last yep. Was he a former quarterback? Yep. 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 Okay, yep. He's he's really good. He's powerful. I mentioned him earlier. It's going to be tough. Like I don't know if you want an Oklahoma defensive back to come in and try to square that's, him up. That's where I'm. That's why I'm scared. Yeah, he's he's physical. I mean, he's going to run like his life depends on it, and he's a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. Uh, Joseph Osai, just for you know, because he's Freak. probably probably their best player. Freak show on their team, probably. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, wait, cause me. Okay, probably in a probably more NFL ready. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah, Osai is a guy that's you know just like uh, Kansas State's dude whose name escapes me. Like White he, Hubert, he's gonna have one play where he gets Spencer Rattler. Oh, that, I think it'll be more than one. Well, one play where he just gets there like quick. Like he's mm-hmm. gonna have plays, no doubt. But I mean, like a pure speed rush. And you listen to the podcast with Sam and Rufus and Wes yeah. and Anton Harrison. He made a great point. Like Anton Harrison does for a freshman, does an unbelievable job being able to stay in front of guys and feet because he's really athletic. But the thing is, is Joseph Osai, what he's added from last year to this year is skill. And that guy, when he's on, holy cow. Like, he's he's unbelievable. And that matchup with him and Adrian Ely is going to be popcorn. And Harrison for to a certain extent. Oh, gosh, a freshman. Um, and then the last guy... And this is just because insert quick white wide receiver from Texas here, Jake Smith. He's a guy against TCU. I don't know if you remember this, Keegan, but late in the game, he had a gigantic drop. Uh-huh. Wide open. He could have had – it would have been a 40, 50, 60-yard game. He could have even scored if he breaks a tackle in the open field. And he's talented enough to do so, but he had a gigantic drop. But this is going to be a guy that Texas is going to want to get isolated on, Brian Asamoah, a lot. And if he's not able to just – manufacture some good coverage skills overnight. Jake Smith's going to be a guy that OU fans are going to be annoyed with on Saturday. Oh, he will be. You know, he's a guy that runs great routes. Lunch pail guy. You know, go, <laughs> Just, down, go you know, down the list. Coach's son. Go you know, down probably the list. at some point, maybe play T-ball under his dad. Probably, yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's you know, made that huge catch in the LSU game a year ago. Gritty. Um, yeah, he no, he is. And, you know, had the touchdown catch against – uh, really tough against that t- on TCU on that first touchdown drive for Texas. You know, he's a guy that is, you know, as he progresses now, who knows how long Herman's going to be at Texas, but as he progresses and we've seen what a slot receiver and Devin Duvernay can do. Now I'm not comparing Devin Duvernay to Jake Smith at all. Like Devin Duvernay has got elite track speed. Yeah. But like, that's the kind of guy that Texas is going to expect him to be. And he can be that guy. And he can be that guy on Saturday if Oklahoma's, you know, unwilling to not get Brian SMO on him. Um, you know, that's a per- – you want to talk about a perfect setup? Like, if, if Texas goes five wide and Oklahoma just goes man underneath, like, why not switch Osamoa and um, Buki? Like, that's a guy Buki could drape over, like, and have no problem doing it. Um, now, granted, I don't know if we see the same defense that we saw a week ago. You know, that's still to be determined. But yeah, Jake Smith's going to be Jake Smith's really good, and Jake Smith's going to be a problem um, for Oklahoma on Saturday. They're going to have to know where he's at. Keegan, we're going to do our best to remember to highlight your three players in the post game heard exclusively on our Patreon page uh, on Saturday. 
but again, last week was a late kickoff, so and a lot, and it was therapeutic for you. And there was a lot, yeah, there was a lot. We got to it on the free pod on Tuesday, but we're gonna try our best to uh, get to it on Saturday's pod. But your three players that you're looking forward to seeing: Creed Humphrey, number one. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, he's got to play like a first round pick. If Oklahoma wants to win this football game, Creed Humphrey's gonna have to be the guy everybody knows he is. That's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Where, where Sam Ellinger is getting a lot of the just the default praise over Spencer Rattler because Spencer Rattler is an unknown going into this game, you can apply a lot of that to Creed Humphrey. If OU's going to win this game, it's because it's because Creed Humphrey plays like the player that he is. Everything that we said about it means more to Kyler and Baker as Texans. This game should mean a lot to Creed. He's a native Oklahoman. He needs to play like he's been billed as playing, and this is a perfect opportunity for him to flip the script of the previous few uh, times he's been on the field. So, Creed, play like the captain you are, man. If you do, that goes a long way for OU. It does. It goes for a long way for Oklahoma. Uh, Number two, Deshaun White. I know I've highlighted him before. Um, This is a guy that was in position to make a lot of plays a week ago. He made majority of them, but he's going to have to make every single one this week. Um, If Texas goes empty or goes four wide and goes a bunch of 10 personnel, there's going to be only one guy in the box. Two, maybe even two. Brian SMO is going to be an overhang. Um, Deshaun White's going to have to make plays. He had to make plays in the running game. He's got to be clean in his run fits. Uh, and he's going to have to be the guy. He's, he's going to have to be the guy in this game for Oklahoma's defense. And I, I, tr- I truly feel as if, you know, if, if Deshaun White is the guy for this defense now, my third guy is going to have to be a dude on Saturday. But if Deshaun White's going to have to be the guy for this defense that they can rely on to make those plays – He's going to have to be exceptional, and he's going to have to be really, really good, and he's going to have to take that next step. He's so close. Awesome O is too. He is. Both of them are so close to being elite players, and White's going to have to take that next step this week. Maybe not as much as Asamoah, but if White's that guy, he's the leader of that defense. I get Pat Fields is the captain, but it's clear that White, I mean, he's shown up in the weekly press conferences now two weeks in a row. Yeah. Like, there's a reason for that. And so he's going to have to be the leader of this defense on Saturday and uh, down at the Cotton Bowl. He's going to have to be really, really good. Third one? Nick Benito. You heard me ask – a lot of people probably are like, oh, why are you asking him this question? Why are you trying to hype him up? Obo Okoronkwo took over this football game in 2017. Eric Stryker has taken over football games before. Nick Benito, I was think – Was so close uh, against it, Iowa State. He was so close so many times. And this is a guy that – Texas, he's going to go up against Cosme a lot. And I think you're foolish if you're Alex Grinch to try to get him not to go up against Cosme. And here's my reason why. Because Isaiah Thomas is old, Ronnie Perkins for that example even then. is like going to be, He's going to have a lot more success going up against their right tackle, not their left tackle. Yep. Nick Benito is so athletic. He's so long. He's starting to get those skill moves. Quick first step. And he, you know... We saw when Amani Bledsoe, what he was able to do to Sam Cosme in 2018 and how that impacted what Texas was able to do offensively. If Nick Benito can neutralize Sam Cosme's effect on this game, Oklahoma's going to have a lot of success. And the appearance of Ronnie Perkins can't be understated in that, and you're completely right, that if Ronnie Perkins is on the field, that's going to be a lot more opportunities for one-on-ones for Perry on Winfrey. It's going to be a lot more opportunities for Isaiah Thomas. Um, you know, I think it would behoove Oklahoma to keep Thomas and Roberson inside this week if yes, Perkins is back. I agree. Uh, I, you know, Winfrey is, took a step last week. I, he was a lot better last week than Kansas State, that's for sure. 
Um, but if Nick Benito can come in and just win enough against Sam Cosme, if Sam Cosme's getting beat, Texas is getting beat. I mean, I, I get the Sam Ellinger conversation. He's a great leader. Obviously, he's very inconsistent, and he has not changed that under Tom Herman yet. And the reason why I'm off the Sam Ellinger train. But Nick Benito, if he beats Sam Cosme, maybe even once early in the game, that's going to set a huge tone. And I'm talking first, second, third drive. If he can come get a huge sack on second, third down, get Texas in a really bad situation, it's, I think it's going to send a huge tone to Oklahoma that they are who they think they are. And it's going to send a huge tone to Texas that they're going to be in for a dogfight. And maybe even more than that. And real quick, Keegan, before we get out of here, because we teased it earlier, recruiting. So tell me about Alex Bowman. Billy Bowman? Or Billy Bowman. Interesting, right? He decommits, uh, announces today he got an offer from LSU, which, hello, that could be fun between Oklahoma and LSU, as we've all seen before. Uh, hopefully there's no uh, gym directors involved in this one. Oh. But, but, uh, but obviously his girlfriend was the number one softball player in the country a year ago now playing softball at the University of Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I can tell you this, Oklahoma offered him for a reason. They didn't just throw a flyer at him. Oklahoma thought they could flip him and land him. And I think it's very clear that Oklahoma has a real shot at this. And, um, But what, as what? As a, I think as a wide receiver. As a wide receiver? Yeah. He, now, don't get me wrong, like, this is a guy that can play both ways. Like, if he gets to Oklahoma, he can play nickel. Like, I know he's only 5'10", 5'11", but his length is a lot different than Buki's. You know, he's kind of like Jane Davis in that regard. Like, Jane Davis is 5'10", but he doesn't play like he's 5'10". Yeah, he looks um, like a – he just looks like a normal, good defense back. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to say, you know, win and lose this game is going to be the difference between Billy Bowman. But, you know, uh, obviously, you know, credit to, you know, Soonerscoop.com for this. And I was able to kind of get some info on this last night. Like – there's another guy, Denton Ryan, that's wavering a little bit. Oh, really? And another Texas commit. I think a winning this football game and Nick Benito going off can say a lot about Jatavion Sanders and his potential. Because, look, like Oklahoma is in a down season right now as it stands. Now, they can they can salvage this season. Oh, you went on Saturday. They can, and they can, we can all start talking to ourselves in, well, they can beat TCU, then they can win Bedlam. Maybe that's like the first round of a big 12 championship and then, you know, we'll find ourselves in that case if they beat Texas on Saturday, but Texas is in a much worse situation in regards to recruiting. Cause we don't know what Tom Herman's situation is next year, the year after, especially, especially if they lose on Saturday, we have a very good understanding of what Lincoln Riley's is, unless he just decides to up and leave like, Oh, he's not firing him anytime soon. This is going to be the staff moving forward. So it makes a lot of sense that Texas recruits are wavering despite Texas's two and one start. And it makes sense why OU's recruits are not wavering despite OU's one and two start. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to this season to snowball because that could affect recruiting in the short term. Oh, I think but it's Tom Herman's hot seat. I think everybody I, I thought I thought he was on the hot seat last year, but yeah. I mean, shame on me for thinking Texas would uh not talk themselves into Tom Herman being their guy. But that's Texas for you. For sure. They uh but again this game could go a long way to maybe getting a guy defensively that could have a lot of say about Oklahoma's success in the future. So if there's any more, hey, Oklahoma, go win this football game, yeah, I think they put themselves in a really good position 
to be maybe able to go get a guy. So, yeah, it's uh, really haven't seen an effect in another Texas game like that in a while. So we'll see. Going down to Dallas. I will be down in Dallas. Ooh. in the press box. Oh wow! I guess we'll have to Zoom podcast. Yeah, I'm having. I'm driving down there Saturday morning and driving back Saturday, so I can maybe be able to stop in on my way back. Oh, okay, okay. Depends on how tired you are, but we will. Uh, we'll figure that out. Uh, worst case scenario, we'll zoom it. If not, then uh, we'll take care of it one way or another. But once again, subscribe to the Patreon page if you want to listen to the post game show. It's four bucks a month, and then five bucks a month gets you the post game show and Keegan's film review, which. God willing, on Patreon, we'll drop on Sunday or Monday. Oh, it better work this week. <laughs> Patreon had a had a headache. Patreon tested positive for COVID yeah. over the week. So, um, but everybody else out there that isn't subscribed to that, you know, we still love you. Thank you so much for listening to Inside OU all day, every day, whenever we put it out. But until Saturday, hey, we gonna give score predictions or what? Oh yeah, score predictions. Well, I already said OU would lose. I, I think OU will lose this game. This is going to be like a 42-35, 42. I think you're in the right scoring range. 42-35, 42-31, Texas. I'm going to be awful here because I can probably tell you after the first two drives, the first offensive drive from Texas and the first offensive drive from Oklahoma, who's going to win. So I'm going to be – I thought that against Iowa State and I was dead wrong because OU looked great on both ends. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be awful here and I'm going to give you two scores. Okay. I'm going to give you – Texas, if they win this game, they're gonna blow out they're gonna blow out Oklahoma in these standards of forty five thirty one. Forty five thirty one. Texas. Oklahoma wins this game. Oklahoma wins it close. And it's gonna be forty one thirty four. But I'm I wanna reiterate again. If Tom Herman goes Herman ball in this game, Oklahoma's gonna blow them out. Like fifty to twenty something. Like I'm not kidding. Like so I'm not, three not predictions. A, that's not three predictions. That's just I'm throwing that out there that I don't think he's dumb enough to do that in this game because his job's on the line. But if Herman goes Herman, they're going to get their ass kicked. We will see. We will see. Hopefully OU proves me wrong. They proved me wrong last week when I picked them to beat Iowa State 38-17 and that age like milk, but we will see. Everybody out there, thank you so much for listening to Inside OU. We'll talk to you on Saturday for the Patreon. And we will talk to you next week for free on Tuesday following Lincoln Riley's press conference. Thank you again, and Boomer Sooner.